Hello, and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Today, we bring you the next installment of Table A Talk with your host, Executive Director Kurt Sumner, and the chair of the ALTA NSPS Land Title Survey Committee, Gary Kent. This episode discusses the contractual obligations in procuring a land title survey, starting with who can authorize the work, specific details required by the varying parties, and where the final billing goes to collect payment. So let's jump right in with Kurt and Gary discussing Table A Talk on this episode of Surveyor Says. Welcome everyone to another edition of Table A Talk. This is your host, Kurt Sumner. Joining me is Gary Kent, who is, as I think our listeners know, the, the person who knows more about ALTA and SPS land title surveys than anyone. And we wanted to begin this series, first of all, first of all, to let you know that this isn't just Table A. We're covering the entire document, all of the processes, trying to get as much information into your hands about dealing with this type of survey from beginning when somebody gives you a call all the way to the end. And so we're going to do this in increments, of course, but I did want you to know that it's not just Table A, even though the title may say so. We found some people who are confused about that. So we thought we'd start today by talking about the, the dynamic of this survey. For example, who's going to pay for it? How does that relationship work out? Because sometimes you get a call from somebody who needs this document, but you don't really know all the players in the background. So I'm going to ask Gary to start out by help helping us. And let's just talk about that dynamic, Gary, sort of from beginning to end. And hopefully we'll get through that in this session and then we'll pick up on other topics later on. Okay. Thanks, Kirk. Yeah, the uh, a land title survey is, is a different uh, critter than the other types of surveys that we do. The uh, First of all, the request may come from a variety of places. A uh, surveyor may get a call from a, a real estate broker. They may get a call from a buyer, the seller, the lender, the title company. Uh, who knows who might actually want to order the survey? One of the things the surveyor needs to do right at the front end is say, well, who is paying? You know, who's who's going to sign? I've got a contract. Who's going to be signing it and responsible for payment? And uh, and I think you need to be a little bit careful because sometimes the attorney is more than happy to sign it. But but you can be guaranteed they're not the ones paying. And I don't really want to get into that trap. So I, you know, I, I prefer to ask who's, who is going to be writing the check? And they, they may say, well, it's coming out of closing. I understand it's coming out of closing. Who's putting the money into closing? And that's who I want to have sign the contract. Now, who is that person? In the land transaction world, in some states, that the survey will be paid by the buyer. And that is routine in those states. In other states, the survey is paid by the seller, and that's the way it works in those states. And then the, the, the third option is that there are some states where it's not set, and it is simply a function of um, what the contract says. 
So uh, if, if you are a surveyor who works in multiple states, you may find that in one of the states you work in, your client is going to be the seller. And in another state you work in, the client may be the buyer. Uh, so that's an important thing to clear up because you get a contract out there, you want the right person signing it. Um, so now beyond that, though, we have an interesting thing that goes on because we know that the buyer's interest in getting a survey is they want to close and get their money. And the, uh, I'm sorry, the seller's interest is, uh, is let's close this deal so I can get my money. The buyer's interest is perhaps a little bit more than that. They may be interested in, uh, in a good survey, but everybody wants this stuff to go fast and, and with few, you know, with as few problems as possible. Uh, so, we want to uh, we want to we need to understand that the person paying for the survey is not the one who's really using it. Well, we understand the buyer may you know may look at it, the buyer's attorney may look at it, and they may be going to develop. But the land title survey itself is required by the title company, and the reason is because the uh, the lender involved has certain requirements they have in their title policy. They say to the title company, we need these certain coverages and, uh, and those coverages uh, imply a survey. And so the title company essentially is like, okay, fine, we'll give you those coverages, but we need a survey. There are some exceptions to that, which we can talk about later or in another podcast. But the point is, the interesting thing that goes on is that the the client, whether it's the buyer or the seller, is not the person that needs the survey. Likewise, I often hear from people who say, "Well, I, um, you know, the the title company wants this, or the title company wants that." Uh, the title companies generally understand what a land title survey is all about, and they know what they need to get the coverages they want. When you're starting to get some odd requests or some requests for more information or um, uh, you know more uh, table A items, that information, those requests are coming from the lender. Now that request may come through your client's attorney, that request may come through the title company, but it's the lender really who's driving those sorts of requests. So, uh, so it's a, it ends up being a very, odd situation where we have a client who's responsible for paying our bill, uh, but that client is not driving the bus. The bus is being driven um, kind of collaterally between the lender who wants certain things perhaps from us and from the title company, and it's being driven also by the title company in response to what the lender is asking for. So, uh, so we got this very interesting dynamic that goes on between all these parties. Uh, and of course, we know that we, we need to be certifying to either the client or the, or the buyer, because uh, it may be a refinance, in which case that the, the client is, is going to be the owner and, uh, and, and, you know, quote unquote, the, the buyer, because it's just a refinance. And then we're going to have a lender and we're going to have a, uh, a title company. Uh, one thing that, that also could happen when I was talking about the clients earlier, uh, it, there may be an occasion where you have a regular client, perhaps a developer that you do a lot of work for, 
and they are buying this property, and yet you're in a state where the seller pays for the survey. Well, the seller's motivation to get a really good uh, high-cost survey is not very high. They want the cheapest survey they can get, uh, and yet your client, who you regularly work with, your developer client, wants to you know wants to use you. So the so what happens is the seller says, well, I got a quote from an ABC company for twenty five hundred. And I know you wanted me to talk to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, Schneider. I want you want to talk to Schneider and get get your survey from Schneider, but they're 3,500, and uh, and so I want to go with the low cost guy at 2,500. And your client, the buyer, may say, tell you what, we'll cover the extra thousand. Uh, hire Schneider, we'll cover the extra thousand. Uh, just so that we know we're, what we're getting from them. So that's kind of a, uh, uh, not a, really a one-off. It could happen off and on, but but if it does, you might understand what's going on. And that would be in a state where the seller pays, but the buyer wants uh, a survey from someone else. So they may contribute uh, the difference uh, to the seller in order to get the survey that they want. Yeah, and another thing that kind of comes along is it related to everything you're saying here. And one of the notes I wrote down was who who has the authority to ask you for additional things as it relates to who's going to pay for those additional things? And then in a very similar way, what happens if you're looking for information, say, from a utility company where they might have a maps or something? that you just can't get your hands on. So there's going to be some work involved. So what's what's your tactic there then once you've they've decided we're going to hire whomever to do this work and here's the scope and then something comes up and it, it turns out to be additional work or you get in one of these situations where you have a difficulty getting what you need, which is obviously going to add to your cost in performing the work. Yeah, so in the first case, my experience is that usually kind of sorts itself out by itself, but we need to be cognizant of that because the request for more information is generally going to come from the lender. They're going to, the lender's attorney, or there's going to be a, a message come through perhaps your client's attorney. Well, they need uh, something, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And, um, and I think what we need to be doing is saying, well, we can do that. Uh, but it's, it, it perhaps may take more time, and there is going to be an additional fee involved. And um, and so we say, well, I, I can do that. It's going to take me a few extra days, and it's going to be another fifteen hundred dollars. Um, my experience is that you know that kind of sorts itself out. But I, I think we're we're better off if we're proactive on that and say, well, you know, my client is uh, is you know, Joe over here, and he needs to be aware that's going to be another $1,500. So uh, I can either send uh, him a change order or you can send him a, you know, you can get in touch, but I need to get that change in writing. So I still have a contract that covers that. Um, so, it, you know, again, my experience is that kind of sorts itself out, but I, I feel much more comfortable being proactive and pointing out, hey, this is going to cost more money. Um, we need to get with my client and I need to get a change to the contract. Now, as far as, uh, and utilities is obviously a great 
example of stuff that, that we may need and we can't get. Uh, I'm running into that literally right now, actually on a project uh, this morning. Um, we all know, surveyors all know that, that getting utility information is getting more and more difficult in addition to the fact that that the 811 people uh, like to ignore surveyors and we're finding some very odd things happening here in Indiana with respect to, to locates. Um, what I have told my client is that um, chances are you're going to get more information from the utility than what I'm going to be able to get as a surveyor. Um, I'm sure almost everyone has run into the same thing we have, which is you call 811, you know, they mark or they don't mark. Uh, so I call the utility and say, hey, I need, you know, I'm, we're trying to get this marked and I need to see what you have in the way of plans. And their response is call 811. And, uh, and so they really are not, in many states and certainly in my case, very unresponsive to surveyors. And so I tell my client, who in fact is a developer, they want to do something with this site. I said, "One, you guys call. I mean, I hate to dump that off on you, but I, I'm not going to get what I need from the utility company, and I'll bet you can. So with respect to utilities, that's how you might deal with that. Uh, the other things uh, that we would need from other people would be the stuff that is uh, a function of the title commitment, which is uh, – you know, maybe the easements, uh, maybe some deeds and that sort of thing. Uh, the standards say, and, and we're going to clarify this next time around in the standards, but pretty specifically as to what is to be provided to the surveyor. And uh, and what we did in 2016 is we, we said, okay, but we know that sometimes this stuff is not provided. And so we added a clause in there that says, if the information that is supposed to be provided or or if the surveyor in fact needs other information that is not provided, uh, the surveyor's responsibility is to do that research that would be otherwise required by their regulations or by their statutes. So uh, if you're in a state that has really that has no survey standards like California, and the uh, the client does not, or the title, you know, whomever is not providing you the necessary information, then your responsibility is to do whatever is required under the law, which may not be very much. Uh, and so I would take that one step further and say you need to understand what the normal standard of care is in your area. You may not have any survey standards, but if everybody does certain things with respect to research, then you better be doing that same thing. So, you know, the, the short answer is if the information you are are supposed to be provided is not provided, uh, you need to do uh, what's pursuant to your laws in your state or what the normal standard of care, what, what surveyors routinely would do. Do you typically put something in your contract that uh, addresses this in some way that might say, you know, here's our cost. Here's our, what we're anticipating in getting the information we need. However, we don't know how that's going to work out. So, is there any way to sort of couch that in the, in the sense that you put this out there up front that you're not certain that you're going to be able to get everything you need? So that could mean that you're going to need to come back and talk to them, and you do that ahead of time to to lay it out there. 
Yes, uh, absolutely. In fact, we're talking about that here at our company you know, right right now. Um, I think if um, what what you want to do is try and capture in your contract the things that you the assumptions that you made that may end up not coming through. You know, I'm assuming I'm going to be able to get this utility information. Uh, I'm assuming that the title company is going to provide me certain documents and uh, and and write that into the contract and then and then uh, you know write a clause that says you know here's here's the things that that are we are expecting will be provided and our quote is based on that our 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 fee is based on that uh, if this information is not provided then we will have to renegotiate and there will be additional fees. And I think it's really important to put that in there uh, because then, then you are in a position, then the surveyor's in the driver's seat. When, and somebody says, well, that's your problem. Uh, they didn't provide that information. Uh, so no, it's not my problem. Here it is right in the contract. It's your problem now. So I think it's really important to try and identify those things that we have made assumptions that that are going to go smoothly that may not and and alert them you know put it right in the contract uh, there's going to be additional fees if these assumptions are are proven not correct what do you well we're pretty far into this one let's go another five minutes or so on this particular thing but what do you think of the idea that maybe there should be a alta nsps sample contract that sort of covers all these things and then people we could we could share that and then people could look at that and then construct their contract as they go along but they would be be cognizant of, of these types of things yeah I, I I don't think that's a bad idea Kurt we could uh, you know basically maybe not all the contract terms but a, a scope you know that would cover these types of things that wouldn't be too hard I mean I you know, there are a few table A items that I think we we need to, you know, make sure everybody's clear on. Uh, there may be issues. Well, a, a certification is one. Uh, we we tell them in our contract we're going to certify to the the buyer or the the owner, the lender and the title company, and then we and then we say yeah, we'll certify to more parties, but it's going to be a higher fee. Uh, and, and, you know, things like that. So we could put together some, uh, some wording and a scope and, uh, and make that available, you know, just as, a, as uh, something to help people think through uh, what they might want to do in their contract. Yeah, and, and we'd want to be careful to say that these are ideas, these are concepts that you need to consider in your contract, um, not guaranteeing that it's going to be the be all and end all, but at least it would be something people could turn to to say, okay, I need some some guidance here, so to speak. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I think we could cover ourselves there and help everyone understand. I mean, you know, state laws are different, and uh, uh, and and practices are different, and clients are different. You know, we're we're gonna if we got a regular client, we're gonna our contract's probably going to be a little bit different than if it's a client I never heard of uh, who is, you know, coming out of, uh, from out of state. So, uh, but, but yeah, I think that would be a, a really good idea to do something like that and at least offer that stuff up for, for, to help people think through these things. Right. I agree. Well, th thanks for 
helping out with this first little segment here that we got a lot of things we want to talk about, so I don't know how many of these we'll end up with, but we do want to keep them short because we hear from our listeners that they really like that. They can listen at lunch or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll end this recording and uh, we'll come back shortly and, and follow up with another one. You've been listening to Table A Talk with Kurt Sumner and Gary Kent here on the Surveyor Says podcast. Please join them on their next episode where the topic will be how the minimum standard detail requirements for land title surveys relate to the various state statutes and requirements for surveying. Also coming up on future episodes will be a chat with Ellie Ball, CEO of the Get Kids Into Survey program, along with a special guest where we will discuss how those fantastic posters have come to life and have circled the globe. We will also be talking to Eric Salovich, an NSPS young surveyor from New Hampshire, who will tell us the story of how a group of surveyors reestablished the elevation of a famous peak there in his home state. So remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And also watch our website, nspsus.com, for information on future episodes. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.